Welcome to the Prodigal and the Priest podcast, a podcast about faith, sports, and two friends from different cultures. Here are your hosts, Joey Scansella and Father Paul Bechter. Hello, hello. Hello. We, uh, we're back. Yeah. It's been a little bit. It has, and it's so warm and sunny, I didn't even bring a jacket over here. Yeah, but um, you're kind of always wearing a jacket in the cassock. A little bit. But still, I didn't bring another jacket over here. Hmm. It feels like all the ice and stuff was a year ago. Is there a summer cassock? Yes, there is. It's lighter, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only thing. Yeah, some places will market them around and summer, and other places they'll just be like, you know, this is a nice one with thicker fabric, and this is a, a thinner one. There's some really trash cassocks you can get as well. Like this, I probably don't need to go into the whole thing, but mm. there's a company in the States that makes a summer cassock that's basically see-through. Like it's just garbage. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't, I don't know what you would do with that. It's a glorified Halloween costume. Yeah, it turns green when it gets old, when it fades. Nice. Instead of gray. So you survived the snowstorm? I did. I survived the snowstorm. Um, thankfully, there wasn't any damage at the rectory. Uh, there was plenty of damage at the church, uh, mm-hmm. which we've been working hard to clean up. And Yeah, if our it. listeners don't know, we had 11 leaks total. Yeah. I think me and you found three of them. Yeah. <laughs> you found at least like one or two more, I think, yeah, after yeah, that yeah. by yourself. But the old youth ministry office... Well, the temporary, excuse me, place yeah. where we were housed, flooded. And then we went over to the new place that we were moving <laughs> into, and part of that was flooded. Yeah. And so it was, yeah, it was a long few days. But it was a long few days for a lot of our listeners. We know yeah, a right. lot of you probably had busted pipes, a lot of that stuff. So we're definitely keeping you all in prayer. Um, luckily, you know, neither of us had anything huge. I have a little something in my front yard going on, but, you know, that's... Um, you know, could be worse. So we are in kind of the new youth ministry area, not kind of, we're in the new youth ministry area and this is going to be the podcast place. And, um, probably should have got a little longer table, but we're also trying to make things work. And somebody gave us, not somebody, I know who, but I'm not going to say who, um, but somebody mailed us this beautiful Caravaggio, um, painting, um, that we talked about. Yeah. On a podcast and we both love. So it's going to be mounted up at some point once. Fantastic. The call of St. Matthew. Yeah. Everything's taken care of. Now, if you do hear um, that banging or people talking or any of that is, they're probably still working on the office and repairs. So mm-hmm. we apologize for that. But we're in the mass part four and we're not even through the liturgy of the word. So let's jump yeah. into it. We just finished the gospel. So what do we have next? Memory the serves. homily, correct? Homily. Okay. Yeah. So a couple things about the homily. Uh, first of all, the homily is obligatory on um, Sundays and on solemnities when there are people present. So, so it, you have to have a homily when people are present on Sundays. On Sundays and on big solemnities. Um, but homilies are not obligatory for things like daily mass. Mm. Unless it's a big, I, I think it's days of obligation, actually, not solemnities. Oh, okay. Um, that makes sense. Holy days of obligation. Yeah. and Yeah. So the homily is is treated as, as like, it's a very important part that's not always necessary. And 
I've been to parishes before where sometimes, like like one day a week or something, the priest will just sit down instead of giving a homily for daily mass, and we'll just kind of let everyone reflect on the word. And I think that's really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, but that's just a a neat little thing about the homily. The homily is kind of every once in a while I'll start reading stuff about what the homily is, like some church documents and things, because it's such a big part of my ministry here, like something right. I prepare quite a lot for, something that I know uh, can have an impact on people right? Um, and that deserves that time. But it's good to sort of revisit every once in a while like what it is. Right. And there was a quote, I don't have it in front of me, but it was from Pope Francis and Evangelii Gaudium, actually. Um, he was talking about the homily as kind of a unique genre. It's not entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think priests, every priest at some point has felt the temptation to become a stand-up comic. Mm-hmm. Um, and none of us are any good at it. So it's sure. a bad temptation for many reasons. But also, like, the homily is not just supposed to be entertaining. Right. Um, but it should be engaging. Right. right. Um, it's not just about teaching the truths of the faith, but it should be didactic, something that is able to teach and catechetical. It's primarily, I think I think there he said charismatic, and that word has to do... Hearing the gospel it's, message. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of cheating to use that word because that word just means preaching in Greek. Yeah. <laughs> the homily is preaching. <laughs> But, but talking like, is talking. <laughs> yeah, talking is talking. Um, but I understand the homily as something that is is meant to to sort of engage us, help unpack the readings and the mystery of uh, well, the Paschal mystery, the mystery of our salvation. Uh, which we're celebrating and making present in the Mass. Right. So it's meant to take that and then make it sort of more incarnate through, like, my very human words or the priest's very human words. Um, And it's meant to move us in some way to elicit an act of faith, uh, hope, or charity. Yeah. And so sometimes there's, like, an action item in the homily that's like a move towards charity in some concrete way. Right. Um. But other times it's just sort of moving us towards faith or towards like making an examination of uh, our relationship with God or uh, moving us towards making an act of hope or something like that. So yeah, so it's got this like you have to be teaching the truths of the faith, but that's subordinate to the goal, right? Of of eliciting these acts of faith, hope, and love. Right. So um, here's my two issues. Ready? Yeah. One is that, and we've talked about one of these. Uh, me and you personally, most of the people back up the mass we would say is for disciples, people that have, um, you know, accepted Jesus, decided to follow him or have made an act of faith right. Like this is a time to strengthen it. Unfortunately, I don't think that's most of the people who are in our pews. Yeah. So that's one issue that I have that, yes, if the homily is supposed to be those things that you just mentioned, which I agree with, it's tough because it feels like 70% of the people in the church are zoned out and not in that same place. Mm -hmm. 
Second problem I have, and this doesn't go towards you, but it goes to a lot of priests. And I've been to a lot of parishes. I traveled around the country for net ministries. I've lived in different states. I don't feel a lot of priests realize the blessing of the amazing office, uh, the amazing like captive audience they have in front of them that like you in a weekend, just in the church. Right. Speak to over a thousand people, right? Mm-hmm. Who who has that type of audience? Right. And to not be prepared, to not be, I'm not saying an entertainer, like you're taking out a banjo or something, but to not be engaging right. and be able to like draw the people in to hear the most important message. To me, I feel that, I feel that's egregious. Mm-hmm. Like it really bothers me. Yeah. The number of priests that just... What it is, phone it in, you know, like, or whatever, you know? So I just want to toss that out in the sense that that for a lay person is, is tough for me. And that's why I think sometimes people will be like, I think you got to be more funny. I think you got to be more engaging, right, right? right? It comes out in that way. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and there's no necessarily, I'm not looking for a rebuttal or anything. I'm just sharing, no, sharing no. the commoners <laughs> thought. Now, one thing you didn't mention though, and I'm curious of, does it explicitly say that you must preach on the readings? No, it doesn't. So thank you. That's a normal, uh, sort of a normative thing <laughs> here. Um, I think for the most part, people would feel a lack if you didn't preach on the readings because we're so used to it, and I think that's a good thing, but the church does like say explicitly that the homily is to be a f- sort of focused on, I don't think focused on is the right, but taking as its point of departure, uh, either the readings or the text of the Mass itself, Got um, it. like the mysteries of the faith. Right. So I mean, if it was a particular feast day, say the Transfiguration, right? We're going to read the gospel with the transfiguration, but right. you're not, it's not meant to be limiting. It's meant to be, I don't know, weaving together or, or really taking as a point of departure, I think. So like, so like we have just heard this, and so that is a natural way for us to go. Um, but yeah, I think sometimes priests can struggle, and I'm... I'm no expert. I'm still a young priest. I'm still working out. Uh, you're really preaching, not, though. Preaching stuff. You're, you're, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you say you're a young years. priest, but almost, almost five years. years. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. Would you say a marriage only five years old is a young marriage? Nowadays, I feel like it's an older marriage <laughs> because people no, get divorced so quickly. <laughs> no, that's, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a baby. Now, uh, let's priest, clear up but... one uh, thing on the homily that people... I've actually heard people argue this. They think there's a time requirement. Mm, yeah. So there's not, well, I mean, there's nothing like, actually the Pope did say at one point, like it's got to be shorter, but really? <laughs> yeah, he did. I think he, he even gave it time. Something like 10 minutes, but. Oh man, you just, it's, you just yeah, destroy that. You're like, well, he doesn't keep to it either. Like you and so, father Edwin, you're in the like 20 minute range. Yeah. I've been better lately. I mean, that's it's, true. So. I don't know. I, especially in American Catholicism, there is a very strong sense of time and timeliness, and like a mass should take an hour. 
mm-hmm. and that's people sort of that's the expectation they build their schedule around it to some degree um and so that necessitates a shorter homily but that's that's not anything like i mean in, in the history of the church like you mm-hmm. you have some tremendous long homilies <laughs> which were tremendous homilies right and uh even in a lot of so we had on our Prague Golden Priest and Me special edition, uh, we had uh, Jack McCafferty, our Byzantine friend, and he said that their liturgy on Sunday takes significantly longer, um, something more like two hours than one hour. And I, I've been to an Ethiopian uh, Catholic mass, and that was that was like a three and a half hour or something, and. <laughs> So within that context, you have a very long homily. I've, yeah. I've had priests. So living in Rome, right, studying in Rome, I got to meet people from all over the world who were studying at the same places. And so, like, priests from Africa would tell me, like, mm-hmm. man, you're trekking all the way over there. Church is an all-day event. And the homily, people are going to feel cheated unless it's at least, like, 45 minutes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, so, like, cultural uh, setting... I'm not saying like, right, right, like right. you know, just giving myself permission to give a 45 minute homily every Sunday, like that would not work well here. Yeah, but no, there's there's not a. I mean, you know my that, kids, <laughs> right? Could you yeah. imagine like 40 when people well, show pictures of their kids like kneeling in church or like all uh, relaxed? Like my <laughs> kids are under the pews. I'm having to pull them out. They're like one Ooh. foot. Yeah, <laughs> and like we don't up. bring snacks in, but like other people have. Dom's like, oh, I found a Cheerio. Just eats it. No wonder he's always has like some <laughs> weird. I mean, it is, it is a miracle. A lot of times, mm. Nikki and I, even when people are like, that was a phenomenal homily. I'm like, yes, I'm gonna listen to it later. Yeah. Because it's just a miracle. One of the great miracle. things about the live stream. <laughs> One of the great things, yes. Uh, it's recorded. You can go back and listen to it later when you have young kids or if you're just you know struggling to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But any other nuggets you want to toss about the homily yeah, before we well, go on to yeah, the creed? Yeah, there's one other thing, <laughs> which I can't remember anymore. But on the daily uh, mass, don't have to. You, yeah. could, you could read the gospel, sit down. Yeah, you could. You totally could. And I think that that's, that's kind of an okay thing. I don't do it very much at all. It's very rare. Right. Um, because there does seem to be, uh, at least with our Daily Mass crowd here and with the way everything's set up, there seems to be room for a homily and a good of having a homily, uh, even if it's short. That was, I think that's the other thing I wanted to say. It's just in seminary, they they made it very clear that like you should strive for one thought in a daily mass homily something that could be said in two or three minutes you don't have to say it that short necessarily but mm-hmm. but something that you could just clearly say from point a to point b right and would be done um and then the same idea like you're making one argument mm-hmm. for a sunday homily just right. bringing in more examples and data like that was something that they pushed very strongly and i think it's good um, some of us misunderstood it at first and like would just repeat the key word over and over right. or the thesis statement over and over and that's not what they meant. It's more like, um, I may have used this example before. I think I used it in a homily actually. Fulton Sheen at the beginning of his, uh, The Priest is Not His Own, um, in the the preface, he's, 
he gives a like one page summary of what the book is about. And it's really just one idea mm-hmm. that the priest, the priesthood is about sacrifice. Got it. Um, and so the priest being a priest in the image uh, or yeah, conformed to Christ yeah. um, is both priest and victim uh, in the way that Christ is, is both priest and sacrifice, priest and victim. Um, and then at the end of that, he says, this is the only idea in the book, but if you want to hear me like ring that note <laughs> uh, a thousand times in different ways, then by all means go on reading. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like you're making one argument in the homily. Um, and I think seeing it as an argument actually helps priests prepare better. Yeah. Um, because we're used to writing papers from seminary and stuff like that where you have to formulate an argument and marshal evidence for that argument and see how the pieces fit together. Yeah. Um, that's what you're doing in any sort of speech. And that's, even though the homily is unique because it's in a liturgical context, like it's still the same thing. Yeah. You have a thesis and you're trying to prove it. And in proving it, you're trying to bring people to the point where they're making an act of faith, hope, or love yeah. by being convinced of that point. And so, yeah, that's that's it for the homily. Yeah. Um, and get lay people to listen to them and tear them apart in seminary helpful. so that they... But anyway, okay, homily. Then you go back usually sometime. Yeah. Well, I'm talking on a Sunday Mass. If you were to watch a lot. Yeah, the there creed. You go. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> that was our intro to the creed. Um, so, and then you say, let us stand and profess our faith. Um, and the, just the one part, I want to toss out something that a professor said to me, a Franciscan, that always just stuck with me for the longest time. I think the creed were just kind of words that I memorized and said and realized at one point, one of my professors said, you realize what we're professing in the creed the martyrs have died for. Mm-hmm. And that just like always stuck with me to this day. Um, you know, you think about those who were martyred in the Colosseum and had like, you know, skins of animals sewn to their back. So the animals, the other ferocious animals would tear them apart. You know, these, mm-hmm. these saints who have gone before us, like this is what we're professing. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's no, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, so any nuggets here? Yeah, I mean, you could spend a whole series I mean, yeah. on the creed, and it's uh, probably worthwhile at some point. But, like, one thing, just sort of uh, practically, one thing that we do during the creed, that I've noticed that they don't do everywhere, but it's written in the book, and so we should, is you make a particular sign of reverence by bowing. I was hoping you were going to um, say this, yeah. Yeah, and so you're bowing at the words... Um, and uh, by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. Um, and so, like, that's the incarnation, right? That's when God becomes one of us. Mm-hmm. And so for that particular mystery, uh, out of all the mysteries um, listed in the creed, for that one, we bow. And there are um, a few liturgies where we actually get down all together and genuflect. Right. yeah. Yeah, where we, we just kneel. did we it, do it recently at, at oh go ahead yeah yeah at Christmas yeah yeah so Christmas you know the feast of the incarnation, incarnation. the nativity um, yeah we we kneel for that one I, do we do something at Epiphany I don't know uh, I don't think so I don't know about Epiphany but but, but so like 
Here, here's a we've we've brought in some like old liturgy stuff sometimes mm-hmm. from the the extraordinary form, and this is a nice point of comparison. I think uh, in the extraordinary form, you genuflect at that point at incarnatus est. Oh gosh, <laughs> I can't do things. Just jumping into the middle of it. Spiritus ex Maria Virginia et homo factus est. Anyway. Um, you would genuflect at that point for every time you would say the creed. Mm. So you don't bow, you genuflect in the extraordinary form. Got it. In the ordinary form, you bow most of the time, except on particular feasts where we're drawing out normally something particular to do with the incarnation. Yep. And we would genuflect. Um, It's kind of like in the Angelus also, right? In the Angelus... um, when you say those words, right? The angelus is a is a prayer. Uh, mm-hmm. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. And then you would say the Hail Mary. Right. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto and, me according yeah. to thy word. They say Hail Mary, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among yes. us. At that point, you genuflect. Boom. Uh, another point with the extraordinary form, you would say what's called the last gospel after every mass, um, which is the prologue from John one, mm-hmm. and it has those words. Um, and by the Holy, <laughs> it's so hard just to jump in. <laughs> the Gardatus says, the Spirit of Sanct, Ex Maria Virginia et Homo Factus est, uh, and you genuflect. Mm-hmm. So the sort of principle is making an act of reverence at the mystery, at the mention of the mystery of the incarnation when God became man. Uh, right. Because in doing that, he, you know, brings about our salvation right um one one point i just want to toss out to people a lot of times people will say to me i feel i feel less of a catholic by having um the you know the missalette out to uh, you know read it and i i just want to say yes like there is power in memorization and knowing our faith and knowing those words but if you're going to be able to pray that better and speak that better yeah. by having it in front of you, do that. No one's going to look down on you. No, that's a that's a really good point. Um, it's true for priests as well. Yeah, like, I, I noticed like some I, priests it, like that. I've got basically everything memorized. Like I don't have I can, to look. I at can the, tell. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember anything <laughs> <laughs> right now. But but in that but, order, it yeah, just but, clicks. Yeah, in in the order it flows because I've done it so many times. Um, but it's still good to look at the book. Mm. Um, both so I don't forget something or, you know, have your mind wander. Like, it helps you focus. Right. And, yeah, that's not a bad thing at all to look at the book. One more point about the creed. The creed is tripartite. Like, the first part of the creed has to do with the Father. The second and largest part of the creed has to do with the Son. The third part has to do with the Holy Spirit. And we've probably, if you've been saying the creed for your whole life or for a long time, like, you probably noticed that, but maybe didn't like think about it that yeah. much. Um, that it's Trinitarian in its form. Yep. Um, yeah, there's so much to say about the creed. Yeah, um, we'll we'll keep it to that, and yeah. you know, maybe if you have some questions, you can submit those, and we'll address those specifically. But definitely take your time learning it, speaking it, using those words. This is our faith. This is what we proclaim and believe. After that, um, usually you say, give us your money. 
No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's intercessions um, first. Right. Intercessions yeah. first. And then you say, give us yeah, your give money. Yeah, give us your money. No. <laughs> so intercessions yeah. have to happen? No, optional. Oh. Boom. Drop right. the mic. Yeah. Well, you can't really because they're on stands here, but. <laughs> so there's, uh, I, I bet I could find a way. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a. For daily and Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, they're optional across the board. Uh, here in the States, everywhere I've been, they're so common that nobody would know that you could omit them. Uh, they're a nice thing, right? Voicing voicing our prayers. They're meant to be universal prayers or general right. intercessions. So there's not, kind of a formula, specific. right? Yeah, there is kind of a formula. Uh, there's even examples in the, the back of the missile. Mm. that kind of give you that formula formula and so like it's normal to start with like prayers for the church and for the pope and for the the bishops and priests and mm-hmm. all those who have been entrusted with governance in the church and then right. to move to governance in the world right for our civil leaders that kind of thing um and then like there's some room to play around in there like none of this is fixed but right. these this is kind of like the order that is suggested, I, right. I guess. Um, and then, like, there's always prayers for the sick and prayers for the dying. You typically end with the prayers for the dying. Um, here at St. Anne, we do a beautiful thing where we, we like, have lists of people that we're constantly updating. When I go and make a sick call, like, we'll ask them, can we put you on our list uh, so that we can all pray for you at every Mass this yeah. Sunday? And same with someone who has just passed away. Can and we put the deceased on the list so that we can all pray for them by name. Yeah, it's the universal prayer, so it's meant to be a general thing. But having these specific examples of our parishioners that we include uh, in that general session is nice. Right now, my understanding of these, like to me, these intercessions right so they're optional to me they make more sense with certain eucharistic prayers than with other ones right um so eucharistic prayer one uh which is I don't your know, go-to it's it's, <laughs> it's it's my favorite um it's the oldest there was some controversy about that people thought two was the oldest for a while uh, mm. in use in rome but that's not true two is from syria uh one is the oldest from rome um, and so we are the Roman Catholic Church. That's why it's called the Roman Canon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get into more of the details of that probably in our next episode. In the Liturgy um, of the Eucharist, yeah. Liturgy of the Eucharist. But like in Eucharistic Prayer 1, you can see there's a structure. You're praying for all of those things. Yeah. And that's kind of why it's longer mm-hmm. than some of the others. Like when you've stripped out some of those prayers, like in 3, which is a reformulated version of 1, and I'll get into all that later, but... Three is what I use every Sunday here. Um, it's what Father Henry uses every Sunday here. That's Eucharistic Prayer 3. Um, those ones, like we are praying, like you can see there's categories of prayers there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't match up so well with the universal prayer like one does. Mm-hmm. My, if... Yeah, my thought is that if you're using Eucharistic Prayer 1, I'm not really sure if you need the universal prayers. Right. Uh, because they seem complementary to fill in stuff Right. that's already there. In I, one. I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But if you're using 2, which is so short, it's like you're, you know, blink and it's done. Um, and I'll talk about that later too. 
But if you're using that, then like it really does feel like you need that to be able to mm. to explicate now, some of those prayer intentions more. Now I have to ask. I've been at a few different liturgies in my life that were. Let me first by saying it was not a Sunday. No, maybe one was a Sunday, but a very small group of people mm-hmm. where the priests did say, mm. does anybody have an intention they'd personally like to share out loud? Yeah. It, I'm not saying that would never work, obviously. A Sunday mass, huge groups, things like that. But personally, I mean, do you have big qualms with that? I think it's a beautiful idea. And I think with the right group, it can right. certainly work. But, <laughs> but not heretical, just, not I've like... I've just seen it backfire yeah, too yeah, much exactly. that like, I don't think I would ever do that as a parish priest. Right, right, right. Um, maybe if I was leading a retreat or something like that right. or a pilgrimage mm-hmm. and mass during the pilgrimage. Or, but I don't know. It, it seems like there are some people who are, who are uh, comfortable with spontaneous prayer and yeah. formulating an intention. Yeah. Uh, but that most people are not, mm-hmm. that that's not the right space for them to learn how to do that. Yeah. And it would have to be so, with a certain group, certain skill set that they, right. they know, so, but not so heretical. Like, so no, no, not like, no, that's, that's allowed. Um, like growing up in Bermuda, we would always do that. Really? Yeah. The, the priest would always do it because daily mass was just very, very small. Right. And there was like, there were two or three people who would give the same intercession every single day. And it's like, I don't think that's the point of opening it up. Mm-hmm. And then like there's other ones where this is, this is where it gets really kind of dangerous in the parish because especially in very political seasons, yeah. like people will start, you know, giving personal opinion, basically battling back yeah. and forth, <laughs> you know, um, on <laughs> political issues with spontaneous oh intercessions goodness. And I've just, I've seen that before. And I've also heard too many stories of it yeah. by priests who are like, all right, that's it. You know, I'm taking it away. We, right. we can't play with this anymore. Yeah, um, exactly. So, so we do the intercessions and then. And then we ask for money. <laughs> <laughs> we sit down. Which is funny. We joke about it, but it is. It's important. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of the precepts of the church. Yeah. And if you don't know the precepts of the church, look them up. There's five of them. Yeah. Father Paul only knew four of them. One yeah, mass I forgot and... number four when I was <laughs> preaching about him. I think you forgot like re- not receiving the Eucharist. No, going to, going to confession. No, I, I remembered that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. One I don't of them, but look right them up. Now. But one of the precepts Drowsy. is that we support the mission of the church, yeah. you know? And so that's why that's mentioned. Sometimes people are like, ugh. I don't want it meant, but it's good. It's good to remember that we are called to do that. Like yeah. that is, that is what the church no, calls the whole in. theology of tithing mm-hmm. is uh, extremely important. So like on, I, I think what most people see is like, you know, we have to give a reason for this. Like any other organization mm-hmm. would be like, well, you know, we want to fix the roof because we were, we had hail damage and right. insurance didn't cover it. And so, we're asking you today for this amount or something like that. That's not exactly what's going on. Like obviously that money needs to go to good use. The church needs to be good steward with Mm -hmm. that money. But there's also just the importance of giving ourselves because of the hold that money can have over our heart. Jesus says like you can't serve God and mammon and mammon is this, you know, Canaanite God of money. Basically it's translated as wealth and, in some translations, you can't serve 
both of those, uh, there's only sort of one throne in your heart. And if it's not occupied by God, it's going to be occupied by some idol. And money has a particular power over us, no matter how much of it we have, Yeah, um, that it wants to take that seat. And yeah. so by giving... Uh, both through almsgiving, so giving to the poor, giving out of mercy, that's mm-hmm. what almsgiving is, and by tithing, which refers to a tenth, but it's also just the basic idea that we have the duty as members of this society of yeah. of the church uh, to support the needs and mission of the church. Yeah. Um, like both of those have the spiritual good of weakening that hold that money has on us because. When we give, we make an act of faith that God will provide um, yeah. more than that money would have. Yeah, uh, it's not to say that you know that we should. Well, I mean, like the Evangelical Council of Poverty and the spirituality of that is a whole whole another topic. But um, a good thing that I was reminded of: there's a church near us that is. A, um, a non-denominational church that is almost exact same size as St. Anne's. Mm-hmm. And they don't pass a basket. They don't have any collection basket, anything like that. But just what is instilled in, I feel like, non-denominational churches, whether it's through guilt or just told straight up or however it's communicated that it's just ingrained in. I mean, they bring in four and a half times what St. Anne's brings in, mm-hmm. which, I mean, we're very blessed in what St. Oh, Anne's brings in. compared to other in. Catholic churches, yes. yeah. You know, so I don't want people to tithing, hear yeah. that we're complaining or asking or this or that. No, but what I'm saying is it's instilled that, you know, God gives you this money to give back and to, to be a part of your church. And it is a little bit sad and disheartening that I... <laughs> That Catholics don't get that. Yeah. So now that's officially the last part of yeah, the liturgy of the, the word. Yeah, the liturgy of the word. And with the offertory, the preparation of the gifts, you begin the liturgy of the Eucharist. And nice. And on that, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, on that, I have, we'll I have no out, outro. <laughs> I'll add I it I think it's post. muted. Is it muted? Yeah, right there. Oh. I think I closed it. <laughs> Take one week off. <laughs> and, and all goes. There it is. Oh, wait. No, that was the intro. Oh, well. Okay, so on behalf of Joe Scantzella, Father Paul Becker, we want to say uh, take care. God bless. <laughs>